Hello everyone and welcome to the Frogcast. The Frogs win 34-24 in a big home win against Texas Tech. I don't know if you followed online, but there's been a little back and forth and banter among the fan bases, maybe a few members of the staff. But the Frogs moved to 9-0. First time they've been 9-0 since 2010. The, the Frogs are in number four in the new AP poll and the new coaches poll. And with a big win at home where they not only won but covered the spread, I assume they'll move from 7 to 14 in the college football rankings this week. But we're not worried about that because we got a big game at Texas this weekend. Jeremy, let's just get right down to it. I've got two questions I'm going to open with. What went wrong? <laughs> two questions? Well, uh, what went wrong early on? The offense was just terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're throwing me off. The offense wasn't executing at all. The offensive line wasn't playing real well. We saw Max Duggan struggle early on with some of the passes. Play calling was kind of suspect. It was, man, it was just unlike the offense that we've seen all year. And Texas Tech was looking like a, a top defense in the Big 12, the way they were getting pressure on the quarterback. They were stunting the defensive line and giving the offensive line some troubles. And props to uh, props to the defense, though, man. They hung in there. They played really well. And for the first time this season, it's that defense that helped TCU stay in a game. Well, you know, we saw a lot that went wrong. I, I was not happy with the play calling. You know, the Tech defense uh, clearly uh, came to play, for lack of better words. I, I know one young man I wish was playing in purple and not in red. But let, let's flip over. You know, I said two questions. The the, the second one's going to be pretty obvious. We know what went wrong, but but what went right? Because being able to win a game, being able to beat a, 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 a team that's probably going to go to a bowl game, and, I, you know, I know this is a cliche that gets thrown around, but this day was circling on their calendar. I don't want to say this is Tech's bowl game, but they they wanted this win. They were ticked off they did not have the capacity to get more fans there. And the Frogs won. So clearly something went right. So I'd love to you know, break down in depth on offensive side of the ball, on defensive side of the ball, and maybe just the general environment. What went right for the Frogs to be able to get this double-digit win over Texas Tech? Well, I think – they stayed patient. Uh, the offense uh, really didn't try to get away from the game plan at all. They still continued to run Kendra. Kendra had another great game. Um, I mean, he's he's showing that he's arguably one of the top two running backs in the Big Twelve, and one in in my opinion, one of the top five in the nation. I think he's played extremely well. The offensive line just started enforcing their will on uh, Texas Tech's defensive line late in the game. You started to see Max make better decisions, started to see more accuracy out of his passes. The defense came up with some huge plays. I could not believe, you know, give Joey McGuire credit. He's trying to change the culture, change the program up there. But, man, he better learn how to stop using analytics so much. And when you're deep in your own territory and you're going for fourth down and you're giving the opponent prime field position, you got to start rethinking some of those things you're listening to. So I think that helped TCU tremendously. It was just some of the bad decision that uh, McGuire and his staff was making on on their sideline. But it, it it's just another another thing that we've seen all year long. Jeff is that they've remained patient. TCU has. They don't panic. This team does not panic. The coaches don't panic. The players don't panic. The fans sure as hell panic. And sometimes even a a writer slash moderator panics a little bit of time 
on Horn Frog Blitz. But uh, it it is uh, it is a team that's that's unlike any team that we've seen really, like you mentioned, since 2010 when they were last undefeated this late in the season. You know, let's let's talk about McGuire. You know, whether it's analytics that says go for it at this spot, which is really informative. I think it's helpful. Um, I, I think it was Stuart Mandel that said this today on his podcast that analytics um, don't measure momentum and momentum can't you can't make every decision off your emotions and momentum. But anybody that doesn't believe in momentum has never attended a college football game. So, you know, McGuire's bringing a, a new set of skills to this position. This is his first college head coaching job. And if I, if I remember right, he'd only been on a college staff since Matt Rule got the job in, in 2017. Obviously, he was a, you know, a, just a legend in South Dallas at Cedar Hill, winning state titles and well-respected in the field. I know you interacted with him as, you know, a guy covering recruiting and covering DFW area. What impact ha- has McGuire made? Um, not only in the Big 12, but really like at Tech, because I don't know that this team is all that better than the Matt Wells slash Sonny Cumbie team last year that beat Mike Leach in the Liberty Bowl, but they're sure as heck more annoying and they're a bigger headache on the schedule. And I attribute all of that to the, to here's an overused term, the culture that McGuire is bringing to Tech. What, what What's your take on Joey McGuire after two thirds of his, or three fourths of his first season in Lubbock? Uh, Joey McGuire is a, great person and and he's if he was wearing purple and saying those things i mean tcu fans would be loving him just the same he's a really likable guy he's going to change the culture up at texas tech they're going to get some recruits their recruiting class right now is it's pretty good i i I don't know if it's going to stay intact i feel like they're probably going to lose some guys late in the process just because they're sub 500 right now and they're they're you know scratching for a bowl berth but he's made getting to Lubbock kind of like what Mike Leach had. I mean, there, there's there's a little bit of excitement going on right now. Um, even though they're losing, they're still going to give him a little bit longer leash than what I think they, they gave uh, Matt Wells or even Cliff Kingsbury. But I, I think it, a, a lot of it is, is hype right now. He promotes his program a lot like Sonny Dykes does with TCU. They do a great job social media wise. I mean, people just talk about Texas Tech and he's got a great staff. I mean, he's got a great stable of coaches over there. We all know Zarnell Fitch. We a lot of us know Kenny Perry. Emmett Jones is from Dallas. He coached at Kansas for a while and a lot of people up there wanted Emmett Jones to get the Kansas job, you know, before before he was let go. So um, they they've got they've got a good staff. Kitley is a, a rising offensive coordinator, although he's taken a little bit of heat right now from his own fan base. I don't think they like those quarterback sweeps or draws that they've been trying to run, especially against TCU when it was third and long situations. But, yeah, I think Joey will get it turned around. Uh, Obviously, if you win eight, nine games on a consistent basis, you should be able to be a successful head coach in in, Texas Tech unless they got those crazy notions that they're going (laughs) to fire a guy that – isn't winning 10 games like they did Mike Leach. So it's, it's been a, it's been a long time since they've had a coach that I think is going to be successful for them. Well, you know, you mentioned, you know, McGuire being the guy that is just darn near excited. He's really excited to be in Lubbock. All jokes aside, the guy really does love that head coaching job, but, but let's, let's also be honest. I think if Jeff trailer would have put out feelers that he would take the tech job, he would have gotten the tech job. 
but he only would have been considered when Sonny Dykes had, after Sonny Dykes had said, hey, I'm not going to be waiting around for the tech job. So Sonny chose TCU over tech. Do you think any of that fueled in? We've got the Spike Dykes connection. We've got Sonny that obviously grew up out there in Lubbock watching his dad. Uh, do you think that there was any blood in the water regarding Sonny Dykes skipping over his home? His, not his all, you know, his, not it is his alma mater, but to, to turn down going home in order to come to TCU, do you think people were ticked off about that? I, I think they probably were, but I think the one thing you get with Sonny, he is, is he loved his time up at Texas Tech. Not only did he play baseball there, Spike Dykes is his dad. He was a legend there. Um, Sonny spent a, a good amount of time up there on Mike Leach's staff too. So he's, he was around Texas Tech for a while, but it it was it's crazy because I, I think Sonny had always, especially after 2017 when he spent one year at TCU, TCU and talking to different people, and I think he even said it on record one time that TCU was a place that he feels can be on top of the mountain in the Big 12 Conference. Like they could be even before Texas and OU announced that they were going to the SEC. That he always felt like TCU. It, just being a DFW, the resources they have, the the backing behind, um, the donors, the facilities, everything else, uh, TCU was just always a good place that he always he always considered. And I think for him, I think he kind of wanted to create his own legacy. I, I think, and, and I've said this to a lot of people, I think the reason why he didn't choose Texas Tech is the reason why everyone thought he would choose Texas Tech. Because of because of Spike, I don't think he wanted to follow that up. I, I mean, obviously, he likes Texas Tech and has a great deal of admiration. Mentioned the other day, still has family up there in Lubbock. But it's crazy. Earlier in the week, we asked if on Tuesday if there was any kind of emotional ties, and uh, you know, heading into the game, and he was no, no, not at all. This and that, just kind of just swept the question under the rug real fast, and just just didn't really elaborate on his time, but later in the week as he spoke with more people and even on Saturday on Big Noon Kickoff, he talked a little bit more about um, just family being up there. But I, I don't think emotional ties or anything uh, were involved this week for him. He's he's TCU's head coach now, and he doesn't bleed red right now. He bleeds purple. Well, I alluded to this in the intro, but there has been a ton of back and forth for, for a while here with Texas Tech fans posting a, a, a cactus in their bio and in their Twitter handle, some staff members from TCU maybe throwing a little barbs. And then I, I have to tell you, I have followed, I have been, as they say, very online as a TCU fan. Heck, going back to 2000 when a guy named uh, Wes Phelan asked me to join KillerFrogs.com. That's how old I am. Uh, you and I are kind of the new Wes and Scott. You know, we're the old grumpy guys. Um, <laughs> but... Have you ever seen so much back and forth with the the videos that the university has produced? I mean, it, I mean, I, I saw the the video that that uh, was the video that the university produced that was just a straight up mockery of, of of Lubbock and of the game and of some of their staff members and some previous video of uh, Joey McGuire. What, what is the genesis of all of that? And, and, and as an old man like me, what, what is your take of so much focus on uh, basically a, a TikTok approach to social media from the TCU athletic department? I mean, 
I laugh at it, man. I, I think it's great. I think it brings more to the robbery. Uh, you know, today's day and age, everything is on social media. And it, like you said, it's it's even gotten involved to where the both school accounts were jabbing back and forth at each other. And even, I think Texas Tech's football account jabbed something over a week and a half ago, something about the TCU game, how they were going to bring the red and everything else. I'd have to go back and look, but it was kind of funny. You had Jeremiah Donati yesterday saying he missed seeing all of his friends that he was supposed to see. And then here you go, Sonny, Sonny Dykes is tweeting it. My AD is a stone cold killer. And uh, so it's, it's, it's fun to see the jabbing back and forth. It brings a little bit, like I said, to the robbery. And, and this, this game had big implications. I mean, you have TCU unbeaten. You had Texas Tech that wanted to spoil that unbeaten season. I told you last week on the broadcast that they already had their scripts ready. If they won, I could already see Joey McGuire's postgame speech. I could already see all the, the material getting pushed out by their social media team. And it's just it's just so refreshing to see that TCU is on the winning end of that because I think early on, midway through the third quarter, you started to kind of feel like, man, is, is Texas Tech going to really get away with this? And it's like we said last week, Texas Tech is always, always, always good for at least one win a year that they're not supposed to get, that no one even really predicts them to win. Even Texas Tech fans, the logical ones, were saying that they weren't going to beat TCU. Now, the ones with red-shaded glasses, of course, they're never going to go against their team, no matter how bad they are, no matter how good the opponent is. But, yeah, I got to love it, man. Uh, Hodges, Carrington, Carrington, <laughs> he had one where he had a video of, uh, the guy from uh, what Parks and Recreations, Ron, throwing out his throwing out the printer, and he made a mockery saying, "This is Tech, Texas Tech's social media team getting rid of all the content they had ready to go if they won." So, yeah, this this was great, man. That that, that just brings more to the more to the game, in my opinion. Everything runs through Lubbock. I don't know if people understand. There's more than 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 one meaning to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I wanted to ask you this last week, but we just got so long winded. And, uh, you know, rather than breaking down play by play of every single moment in the tech game, I, I, I really want to put this question on the table. You know, we caught a lot of heat, uh, caught a little heat last week for, you know, recalibrating, not recalibrating expectations, but saying, hey, if we would have told you this at the beginning of the year, you that the frogs could end up, say, 10 and two, you would have been elated. But now at this point, if we go ten and two, we're going to be we're going to be disappointed. And uh, you know there there is just a there's optimism and measuredness that have to go hand in hand. And I've got this cliche I've always lived by. I think I'm the one that created it. You just take it one game at a time. That that was something I've always lived by, and I, I think I trade should trademark that. The frogs are nine and zero. This is the first time they're nine and zero since 2010. Jeremy, what happened? Let's just, I just want to open ended ask that question. What happened to turn this around? I've got a bunch of answers that, that I, or partial answers I could give you, but I want to hear from you. You know this inside of this team better than, than anybody. What happened? Well, I think there was always a lot of talent on this team. Okay. You had experience coming back at quarterback, you had experience coming back on the O line with Steve Avila, uh, Wes Harris, you had Andrew, uh, Coker coming back. You had Brandon Coleman coming back. You had to replace Obina. But 
I mean, that that wasn't a, a huge loss. And you have guys like Quentin Johnston, Kendra Miller. You have so much talent coming back. Darius Davis, Tay Barber. It it the talent the talent was there. They just had to get a couple guys added. Uh, Alan Ali is a great addition up front on the offensive line. Defensively, Mark Perry, Johnny Hodges, Josh Newton. Those three guys are ex- extremely good additions. Dominic Williams was a great true freshman. Started every game right now as an eighteen year old. Um, Tymon Mitchell, great addition. They they added pieces where they needed it. I mean, they went out, they knew that they had to be better on the defensive line and they're better. I mean, they, they, they don't have the stat lines to show it, but I really truly think that they're better right now. Um, this it's, it's kind of like 2013 and 2014, the, the quickness. And, and what I said last week though, it, it still just boggles the mind. 2013, they had seven, I think seven or eight losses that were by one score or less. So you knew they were pretty good, but they were just unlucky. This team, the fact that it has changed their fortune so quickly and beaten teams that just curb stomped them last year is amazing to me. I can't come up with an answer other than Sonny Dykes and Kaz Kazadi. You have a difference. First off, I'm going to talk about Coach Kaz. Coach Cause is the guy that has transformed the nutrition around the program. They hold so many guys accountable for everything they eat, what they put in their bodies. They have to meet certain weights. They have to get to workouts. If they don't make workouts, they're going to be blasted by Coach Cause on a, a text string that is going to be seen by everyone inside the program. Hey, so-and-so didn't show up to workouts this morning. And there's just more accountability, and that's something that we learned early on going through spring ball. D. Winters, Tay Barber, two of those fifth-year senior guys were saying, man, it is so different, the the accountability here. And I think that goes a long way because when you have talent, and I'm not going to say it was the inmates running the asylum, but there was I think there were some players getting away with some stuff. I mean, there, there was stuff when you have players – coming out and saying there is there is by far more accountability. That that raises my eyebrows a little bit. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe there was some stuff going on that I didn't know about. Sonny Dykes is, is part two of that equation. Sonny Dykes has is, is obviously built a tremendous staff. He did great by keeping Malcolm Kelly, Paul Gonzalez, and Doug Meacham. Uh, those players have some familiar faces around there. Um, it was an easy transition. And – Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley have made that offense so simplistic yet complicated for opponents. But the guy that gets it the most is Max Duggan, who who would who, who would have thought at this time, nine games into the season, we have a quarterback, a quarterback, Jeff, not Quentin Johnston, not Kendra Miller. We have a quarterback that is getting mentioned by several of the national guys. He's starting to get this Heisman pub now. He's he's really considered the best quarterback in the Big 12, and he's among the nation's elite. And that is saying something. And if you, and I know this is a long-winded answer, but you you want you want to point at something, and and just sometimes kids just need something new. They just need something new. And I think we all saw that last year when you have a a, a team that was down on its luck didn't expect to win and they go out there and they beat a top 10 team like Baylor. 
And there was only one difference in that game. And you know what that is. And so I think when you have everything new this year, you're starting to see the results of a team that was tired of getting kicked around, wanted to be coached, wanted to be coached hard, wanted to be held accountable. And that's why they're sitting at 9-0 right now. There's a guy that covers A&M. He's kind of he's a fan, but I think the world of him. His name is he goes uh, by String from the Wire, and he's a great follow on Twitter. And he posted this, and he said, "What happens with a quote trust the process coach end quote when the process itself is the problem? You can't trust the process out out of this one. You got to critique the process itself, but trusting the process is not going to get you out of it." And so I replied, D'Antonio, Ference, Patterson, they were all um, men of the process. And they were the best coaches that those schools have probably ever had, especially in the modern era. And it looks like Jimbo has become one of those. But you think about Mark D'Antonio, he won multiple Big Ten titles and went to the college football playoff at Michigan State. Ference uh, got multiple Big Ten championships and no one is ever surprised when they look up in Iowa is is 8-0 or 10-1, not counting this year. And Jimbo has a national title. And it, with all three of them and then Gary Patterson, the process was not revamped. And the world is not what it was even in 2015. So I am uh, – I, I think it's not just that we have a new process – it's that we have a process that's built to what the world is today, what the game is today, what players are today, what communication is today. And I I, I would not have predicted – I'm a homer. You know that, Jeremy. I'm just a, a straight-up homer. But nothing inside of me, even at the most optimistic moment, thought the Frogs would be 9-0 and going to Austin for a what I think is the biggest regular season game in memory. And it, it's bigger than either of the Utah games because this is a playoff on the line. No one in their, in, in their right mind thought we had a chance to play for a national title in 2009 or in 2010 when we played Utah and, and game day was involved and it was obviously a, you know, a huge matchup. This, this has got serious national title implications for this game. And I think this is the biggest November game that the Frogs have played, biggest regular season game the Frogs have played. In, in my lifetime, and I've been following them like an addict since 1994. So I think I think it's the ability to reinvent yourself as well as be excellent at the, at the basics. That's what I do like about Dykes' teams. You talk about cause and just the focus of, of, of discipline, of what we eat, of that you do not miss a workout, that everyone is going to know if you are dragging the team down and be publicly called out. That That is just excellence at the basics. And then everything else that they're able to bring to this program from knowing how to maximize every dollar to maximize every um, asset that the university has, of which they are many. I, 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 that's what I credit for us being where we are. But even, in, even if you'd have put like eight shots of bourbon in me, I never would have said the Frogs are going to go uh, not open the season 9-0 and and be playing in a game with, with absolutely so much on the line. So much on the line. So let, let's 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 gently pivot to what what we have coming up here with this next game with Texas. So let me just get, let's get a little update here. Um, everybody's going to ask, and I know you don't know the answer. What is the health status on QJ? I don't know at the moment. Uh, you know that Sonny Dykes said after the game, you can watch the post game presser 
online on, on the site. They were kind of surprised that he didn't go. Uh, it, he wasn't. He didn't practice Tuesday. Of course, we can't we can't mention when they're not practicing. And but when I went when I got to the stadium on Saturday and, and I asked, "Hey, is Quentin good to go?" Oh, yeah, he's good to go. He practiced. He practiced all week, so he's good. And I think he lasted one or two series before he had to get out of there. And, you know, maybe it was one of those deals where they were just holding him out, precautionary reasons. Maybe they felt like they could get the win over Texas Tech without having to bring him in. And maybe they felt like they want to use him at Texas, um, which is going to be a a much more important battle. Um, But I wish I knew. And, And the bad thing about it is, Jeff, guess what? Remember what I said a couple weeks ago? There's no open practices this week. There's no media availability for practice. There's no former players allowed out there. There's no fans that are going to be allowed out there. It's it's completely closed. Um, we will have media availability for players and Coach Docs on Tuesday um, to talk and get caught up, and I'm sure the, the status of Quentin's going to be a major question. And if Sonny wants to play a little game of chess, he may just say, well, we don't know yet. It's going to be game time. Because if he if he tells us, he's telling Texas, he's telling me. That, that, that impersonation will never run out of style. But yes, if he tells you he's telling Texas, I think, I think we all know that. You know, the other thing, I don't even know how to comment on it other than my disgust, and I'm not blaming anybody, but D. Winters is out for the first half for the targeting call. Is there anybody else that you know that is uh, questionable or banged up? I don't think anybody else got a targeting call in the second half that's going to cost them this game. Anybody, Anything else on um, player injury or uh, uh, updates that you can give us? I don't think anyone else got injured. I mean, obviously, like you said, D. Winters is going to be out the first half which I think Shad Banks did a pretty good job when he came in. He, you know, he's not quite as knowledgeable at the position as D winners is, but hopefully he can get him through one half, not, not get caught up in uh, being in the wrong place. Cause it's going to be a really, really tough game for them. We'll get into that later, but it's, I mean, like you said, Jeff, this is going to be the biggest regular season game they've had. And I can't tell you how, I mean, I've covered the team since 2005, and I can't think of a bigger game that has a bigger magnitude than than what this Saturday's game has. Well, looking around the rest of the Big 12, Kansas becomes bull eligible. They beat Oklahoma State. Baylor, sneaky backdoor um, uh, opportunity to get into the Big 12 title game. They beat Oklahoma. I did not see that coming. And then, of course, uh, Kansas State puts up a valiant effort and uh, but loses uh, one score game in Manhattan to, to the University of Texas. Um, man, I don't know that I wouldn't have played Will Howard instead of uh, Adrian Martinez, but I'm not Chris Kleiman with as many national championships as Nick Saban. So that sets it up, man. That sets it up. Texas is hosting TCU. This Saturday, national television, ABC, game of the week on Saturday night. Game day is going to be there. All the stops are going to be pulled out. We're going to have probably the most watched game that we will participate in in this year's regular season. You know they're going to mention 42 times that Gary Patterson is now on staff at Texas after having coached at TCU. I don't know if you know this, Jeremy, has a statue built for him. 
this game, it, it's, it's got everything. I mean, it's got everything. If Max sets the world on fire, there's going to be a, a serious Heisman campaign that will be um, driven into overdrive from this game. If I, if, so let me just tell you what I think is going to happen, and I'll get into some deeper analysis, and then I want to hear from you about what you think we're going to see when TCU goes down to Texas. All season, Texas has a habit of jumping out early and then letting games, letting teams stay in the game, and then it comes down to the wire at the end, like it did against Kansas State, how Tech beat them in overtime, how Oklahoma State uh, just hung around and stole that game from them in Stillwater. I also know another team that allows their opponent to, to get a lead early in the game and stick around, and then with about eight minutes left in the game, decides, you know what, we should probably put this thing away, and then goes on and covers the spread and goes to victory. So I would not be surprised if we see something that looks similar to that this weekend. But, man, you just do not want to give Texas all that room and have to fight back. What do you think is going to happen this Saturday when the Frogs go down to Austin? Well, as you listen to this, understand, I did not graduate from TCU. I am not, you know, I don't have a a closet full of purple polos and everything else. So, don't hate me too much, guys. This game scares the heck out of me. It really does. This this game is – and it's not just because of Texas played Alabama tough or Texas you know, beat Kansas State last week. I, I really think they're a good team. I think they've got a great running back in B. John Robinson. they got another one in Roshan Johnson. They've got uh, I, what I think is right up there with TCU as far as the receiver talent. Um, they don't have a Quentin Johnson, but they certainly have guys that can get open. Uh, Xavier Worthy is definitely one of the best receivers, and the defense is playing strong. They they make mistakes, um, but they tackle they tackle pretty good. And if TCU starts out slow and gets behind like they did against Oklahoma State and Kansas State, the difference with this game is it's not at home. They're in Austin, so it's going to be a crazy environment. Like you said, college game day is going to be there. People are going to be boozing it up all day. It's going to be a, a night game. There's nothing more that that you know to to Texas fans that they can show that they're back and this is great if they go out and beat the number four team. And that's the thing. Like TCU is is most likely going to be ranked fourth or fifth in the college football playoff. So you got a top five team coming to town. Quinn Ewers looked terrible against Oklahoma State, but threw good against Kansas State. I, I just – and really, I'm not I'm not really worried about uh, Coach Patterson strategizing. Sonny Dykes pretty much owned them the last three years. Um, so I know Sonny Dykes is going to be able to game plan. Um, but they do have athletes. They do have athletes on defense. But the good thing for TCU is they've been battle-tested. This They weren't too beat up against Texas Tech. They, they started slow but finished strong. And I really – I really think that – if TCU is going to win, they have they have got to score first. They have got to score. They've got to jump out. They they can't go two or three drives without scoring. They can't go eight drives or nine drives. They didn't score a touchdown until their ninth offensive drive against Texas Tech. If they do that against Texas, it's going to be church early. It is going to be over early. But I'm not worried about GP. Uh, strategizing against Sonny Docks, but I am worried about him knowing a lot of the players' tendencies. He knows what can rattle Max. He knows 
how to slow down Kendra Miller. He knows how to stunt the offensive line. He knows how to do some of those things. He he knows uh, what route Quentin Johnston likes and what he doesn't like. So it's it's going to be one of those games where those that coach knows a lot of the good and bad tendencies of his former players. I asked a couple guys the other day after the game if if there was any emotional ties to this, and they weren't they weren't really talking about it. They said, "Yeah, it's it's going to be." Cool to see him over there, but we're trying to we're trying to win a game. But I'm I'm, I'm going to admit, Jeff, I'm I'm really worried about this game. This this is the first game I've been worried about all year, and not just because it's big bad Texas and they got Texas across their jersey. It's just because I feel like Texas is playing pretty decently right now, and we haven't seen TCU go out there and just take charge. But here's the one thing I will say. We also haven't seen TCU play a complete game yet, both sides of the ball. So it'll be fun to watch. I, I, I can't wait for Saturday. We have not seen TCU play a complete game yet. I, I think the closest might be Oklahoma. I think that's probably as close to a complete game as we've had. I also hate that we basically haven't had an open date since, you know, we have not had an open date since mid-September. We're on what has to be the longest run of consecutive P5 games that any team is going to have to play this season. And so it's, it's, it's just, it's just a grind. You know, I think the big 12 is the best conference top to bottom in, in America. It doesn't have one of the best two teams. It, it doesn't have a Georgia. It doesn't have an Ohio state and it doesn't have a Michigan. Um, but guess what? We don't have a Vanderbilt. I could name five teams out west that I think might go, you know, one in eight in the in the uh, at best in in the big in the Big Twelve. We don't have that that gauntlet of like Northwestern and Indiana and Rutgers and Iowa and Nebraska that they do in the Big Ten. This is the best league in the in the country, top to bottom, and that there is no such thing as a gimme. There is not one gimme where you can catch your breath. Um, and have a, a second unofficial bye week. We, we did play Colorado. Colorado is garbage. We played Tarleton, and then we had a bye week, and all we've done is, is just play team after team. And the team that we that, that, that was non-conference, that's G5, that, would they score 77 points on Saturday night against Houston? Um, I mean, I, I think, I think uh, Tanner Mordecai threw nine touchdown passes. I mean, something ridiculous like that. And so this this is I wish we were rested going into this game. But that said, if we can have a complete game where Max has every weapon at his disposal, Jared Wiley, Quentin Johnston, uh, uh, Kendra Miller, uh, DeMarcado doing what he needs to do, uh, toting the rock and catching the ball out of the backfield. If we can survive the first half without D winners, if Shadrach Banks is able to do use all of that size and speed, Heck, I, I like him still bringing kicks out. I wish he was still doing that. I know some people don't. Let 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 somebody try to truck that guy. If we can, if we have a chance to utilize all of our weapons and the ability to put that together and not go nine drives without scoring a touchdown, I think the frogs have a really good chance to win. I think the frogs have a really good chance to win. I I do have a closet full of purple. I have two TCU tattoos, so I think that constitutes as being a homer. So. I, I think if the Frogs are able to do that, they can win. But I don't know I don't know what to make of Texas. They're still the team that that lost to Tech. 
they're still the team that couldn't beat Oklahoma State. They are still the team that, you know, they're going down to the wire with with a, a less talented Kansas State. And I don't know how long, uh, you know, Texas has not beaten TCU two years in a row since we joined the Big 12. And so I'll be curious to see if, if that happens. So, all right, I'm going to give you my prediction. Then you give me your prediction. I'm going to go. Uh, the, the it's 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 a the score or the spread is six and a half. Uh, Texas is laying six and a half. I'm going 38-35 Texas Christian University with uh, Griffin Kell coming out and nailing a 44-yard field goal as time expires for the Frogs to get the win in Austin. What do you got, Jeremy? Well, <clears throat> you put me on the spot here. I think. I think TCU, like you said, they haven't lost to Texas two years in a row since joining the Big 12, but I think this game's going to be tough, and I've already said why. I think their defense is playing well right now. Their offense is clicking with Quinn Ewers. It, it could be a battle between Bijan and Kendra, for all we know, and, 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 and they really got a good running back with Roshan Johnson. They've got, they've got a ton of offensive weapons, and if the defense starts slow – it, like I said, it's it's just going to be over. So I'm going to go against it. I really feel this is where I really feel this is where they 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 fall short. I think they're going to lose in Austin, 37-31. Don't hate me. Maybe it's reverse psychology, and and I'll eat crow. Trust me, I don't have a problem eating crow. If you've ever seen me, I don't have a problem eating anything. So I will I will uh, gladly eat crow. But that's just. I, I just got this weird gut feeling right now that that they're going to go down there and they're going to struggle early on and they're going to make a comeback of it and they're going to just fall just short and that's I, I I feel like TCU fans are going to be really upset because it's going to be really close and then just going to fall short in the end. But again, give me some crow and I'll be happy to eat it if if they do go out and win the game. I never seen I like. They're ranked fourth, and Texas is eighteenth, and they're underdogs. I've never, I haven't seen that in a long time. Well, I don't want to like go on some. They disrespect us, and we got to play with a chip on our shoulder. But they're not bringing game day down there because we're number four. It helps. It helps a lot. I'm not going to lie. But they're bringing game day down there because it's Texas. So I, I, I don't know. I just think that there's going to be. It's either going to – I think the Frogs are going to beat Texas, or if they don't, I think they're going to lose to Baylor. I mean, that's just really what I think. I think I think they're going to limp to the end. And so I, I think the Frogs, if, if they can put a complete game – if they can put the, a complete game together that they're capable of, I think the Frogs can win. But what I've what we've also seen is, you know, I made a lot of it at the beginning. They can get behind and crawl back and, 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 and close the gap and win the game. And Texas can jump out to a lead and also be able to just piss it away. And so I'm, I don't want to say I'm, I don't care how the game starts, but it sure would be nice to come out all pistols firing. It sure would be nice to come out and put 21 points on the board in your first you know four or five drives. It, it would be nice for them to not be playing catch up. That changes your, your your game plan. That changes the way you 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 know you run your offense. The way that you you, you worry about what happens on defense. Um, it, it it makes you more timid. And it plays. It makes you play tighter. 
I think the Frogs have got to come out strong. If the Frogs come out strong, if we're tied at halftime or they're up by seven at halftime, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be in control of the game to the end. And I probably would, um, you know, reboot my prediction and, and maybe tack another touchdown on there. But I'm, I'm really interested in what they do in the first, you know, 18, 19 minutes of the game. Because in some ways that's going to tell you if we're going to go down to the end or if, you know, we're, we're going to take control of the game. Or, you know, maybe, maybe we're, we could get blown out. That I don't want to pretend like that's not a possibility. I think we could get blown out. So I really got my eye on that game early. And I think that's going to tell us what's going to happen the rest of the game. So, all right, let's glance around the country here a little bit. And then I'm going to put you on a spot for a question here, Jeremy. Uh, Alabama lost to LSU. So we're, the committee is meeting in Grapevine right now trying to figure out what it will take for a two-loss Alabama to still be ranked in the top four on Sunday. I mean, on Tuesday, uh, UGA, the you know the the Georgia Bulldogs, they beat Tennessee in a huge matchup, and so that really does uh, limit four SEC teams from getting in. They might only get three in. But if I had to give you these the names of these teams, and I think these are the teams that are most likely to make the playoff. Let's say TCU runs the table, or, or however the scenario works, wins the Big 12 and gets into the playoff. Which team would you like to face the most because you think the Frogs have the best chance? I'm going to give you this list. You give me your answer, and then I'll give you mine. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Southern Cal, or Oregon. Who do you want the Frogs to play if you want the best chance to win of those five? Michigan. I'm going Michigan because they've beat – I mean, they – I feel like they match up well with a team like that. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to say because you you really haven't seen uh, Sonny Docks go against Lincoln Riley, but Lincoln Riley scares me. I have you know bad memories of Oklahoma just running up and down the field against TCU. Uh, Oregon's a close second. I think you could rattle Bo Nix. Um, Georgia, you know everyone wants to downplay Stetson Bennett, but if any fan base should not be downplaying a quarterback, it should be TCU because TCU's own quarterback is getting downplayed by his own fans sometimes. And Stetson Bennett's a, a really good player. And they just have athletes galore. Ohio State, they have – there's no question about it. They have the best receiving core in the in the nation. They have one of the top quarterbacks. They have a great defense. So I would say Michigan right now. Ohio State – did struggle against Northwestern. That's what's crazy. You're you're going to have the committee. They're still going to be up high. They're not going to look at Northwestern and be you know they're they're not going to hold it against Ohio State at all. Tennessee. They're not going to hold it against them losing to Georgia because they lost at at Georgia, even though it was a three score three score difference until very late in the game. But yeah, just give me uh, give me Michigan. Give me Michigan. We did not compare notes, but that's my pick as well. I Just in terms of how teams match up, I think Michigan can beat Ohio State. I actually think Michigan is going to beat Ohio State. And I don't think TCU can beat Ohio State. And I think TCU could beat Michigan. And so that, that's just kind of the, the ways that matchups you know, flow. So in, a, in an ideal world, Georgia runs the table and wins the SEC. Michigan runs the table and wins the Big Ten. TCU runs the table 
and wins the Big 12 with Clemson. You know, Clemson's out. They got beat by by George, by Notre Dame. You know, kicked them back to 17 for all I care. I'm just glad they got exposed in November in not on in a in the playoff. And that would match up Michigan in TCU at three at two and three. And I I think I like the Frogs' chances against Michigan better than I do anybody else in the playoff. Now here I am talking about you know taking it one game at a time and being in chart being in control of what you can control and all that kind of bull crap. But I would love to play Michigan in the playoff because I think they can beat Michigan. I don't think they can beat Ohio State. I don't think they can beat Georgia. I think they could beat USC. I think Oregon's going to win the Pac-12. And we're going to get an Oregon UGA rematch, and then that would give us TCU in Michigan, which would be fascinating. So we'll see how all of this uh, we'll see how all of this shakes out. It doesn't matter if the Frogs don't win in um, in Austin on Saturday night. All right, let's pivot to everyone's favorite issue uh, topic. I wanted to give us time before we closed out here. I've always said, if you're listening to our podcast, it's because you're a degenerate. You know, we've been around the longest. We're not. You know, we're not the best, but we are definitely the oldest in a variety of ways. Man, if you love recruiting, you love the Frogcast. And if you love recruiting, that means you're part of Horn Frog Blitz, TCU 24-7. This is where you get everything. Recruiting is the blue meth of football fans. When people tell me they're a fan and I say, who are you all targeting? They, they don't know anything about recruiting. I'm like, you're, you're not a fan. Our, our people that listen to our show are fans. Frogs got a big commit this week from um, Warren Robinson. The Frogs are number 23 in the country. They're number they're number four in the Big 12. They're number three in the new Big 12. We've got Baylor at 21, Tech at 22, and TCU at 23. Only caveat to that is, and this is just the way that they measure them on 24-7. There's some tools that you can use to recalibrate this. Baylor has 24 commits. Tech has 25 commits. And you've already said you don't think they're going to hold on to all of them. TCU only has 20 commits, and they're they're just a, a microcosm behind Tech and behind Baylor. And so, you know, give us a little bit about where this class ranks overall, maybe where you think um, we could be popping up to in the near future. But then take us inside of both the, the, the Robinson recruitment as well as some other people that they, as you like to put it, you need to keep your eye on as um, recruiting continues to heat up. And we're, we're a month and a half from signing day. Yeah, there's. I I really feel like this class is going to finish extremely strong. Uh, there's a few guys that I've mentioned on the board. Javon Thomas from Texas A&M is a guy that they're talking to. I I, I would say pretty much keep an eye on some of those A&M guys. Keep an eye on some of those Texas Tech guys. Uh, Jordan Sanford is still a guy that they're talking to right now. Uh, they're and, and they're talking to a lot of these guys in the. In the Point of the matter is those guys are still listening. Uh, Sanford is a safety, but TCU likes him as a corner. Javon Thomas is a corner. And corner is a really big position for them in this class right now because they lose some guys. And so they're going to need to replace them. So I, I think that is uh, definitely a position to keep an eye on. Marcus Deal, I still feel really, really good about. Uh, George is the big competition there. But it seems like the longer this thing goes on, I think it's – TCU's chances are going to keep getting better and better. Mikel Harrison Pilot, I'm just waiting, man. I, I I keep hearing so many good things about him. Fontenet, he just decommitted from Utah. I would I would say out of a few of those kids, just keep an eye on their on their commitments. If you see if you see these kids start to decommit, then you know something's 
something's brewing. And TCU right now has the right ingredients. So I'll just say that. Uh, Warren Robertson, he was a guy that they were recruiting for a while. And he was a guy that was, if you didn't see the post I made on the board, he was a guy that was literally going to be doing a live commitment on our CBS slash YouTube commitment channel where we had Cameron Cook commit and Max Carroll commit. They announced their commitments to TCU. He was going to announce to USC. That's how close it was. They already had the edits ready and everything. And he backed out because TCU stayed on him strong. Bam Harrison, uh, which was at TCU for a while. He's the, also the he's now the head coach at Dallas Campbell. He's really the reason why Warren even really started looking at TCU. And, and really, Warren just kept felt falling in love more and more. Brian Carrington did a great job of recruiting them. Buckles did. Gonzalez did. A lot of those guys were were always in his ear, just kind of selling the program and and letting him know what's going on. But I, I still haven't heard any news of a quarterback yet. I know that's a that's a big question on everyone's mind. Are they going to get a quarterback out of this class? I don't know if they get a twenty three kid, but I would I would muster a bet that they'll keep their eyes open for someone in the transfer portal. I really do. Um, as far as uh, other kids go, CJ Blocker, he's currently committed to Utah. I would watch. I would watch him. Jelani, uh, Jelani McDonald was recently in town. He is a four-star athlete, one of the top two hundred and fifty athletes in the nation out of Waco Conley. If McDonald uh, rings a bell. It's because Lamarcus McDonald is his dad. So he uh, he's obviously a, a really really good athlete and. I, I really think that uh, TCU can can get in there with him. I mean, he was recently uh, committed to Oklahoma State, reopened his process up, and TCU just offered him over the weekend when he came in to visit. So a lot of uh, a lot of names to keep an eye on, especially for that twenty three class, twenty four class. I'm 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 really shocked right now that there hasn't been a commitment. Uh, to be quite honest with you, because I figured a couple of those twenty four guys would have already jumped on board, like. Uh, Marcus Davila, the quarterback out of Midland Legacy, he was he's extremely high on TCU. I can't believe he hasn't announced yet. Uh, there's there's guys like Bryant Wesco that's a four star receiver out of Midlothian that has a tremendous relationship with Malcolm Kelly, and just you know those guys have been around and it, it's gonna get it's gonna get good. Like you said, they're ranked in the uh, top twenty five right now, twenty three. I feel like if this moment momentum keeps going on the field and they somehow can find their way to the college football playoff, there might be some even bigger names. One of the names that I still can't mention, he went to a visit to the school he's committed to this past weekend, and that school got a big win. So I don't know how much he's going to pay attention to TCU, but there has been communication with them. Um, I've been told that distance from home is starting to kind of play a factor for this kid. He is a four star and he is a, that's it. He, he's a kid that everyone, when, when his name pops up, everyone's going to go, Oh yeah, I forgot about that kid. Cause TCU is extremely high on his list and he's, he's committed to another school right now. So, um, the other names, Hey, what do you think about the coaching job Brian Kelly's doing? Brian Kelly? 
I think he's doing pretty good. Oh, I, I was just making an inference there. You mentioned a big school, had a big home win. Oh, distance. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. It, could it be LSU or could it not be LSU? That's the big question. But no, they're they're doing really good right now. A lot of kids, I've said this the last few weeks, they're they're starting to call, they're starting to reach back out. Some of those kids are they're they're talking to them. Some of those kids, they're well, I would stay committed to your school right now because we're really not looking at you. Trey Wilson's another kid that's currently committed to Baylor. They've continued to talk to him a whole lot. He was in town for the Oklahoma State game. I wouldn't be surprised if if they keep talking to him and some of these games if you if you look at it there's there's big recruiting implications i i think texas tech was a huge win for tcu when it comes to dfw recruiting because joey was trying to really get his footprint into dfw and be able to recruit that area and them getting that win at home and really it was 34-17 with just a few minutes left, Texas Tech got a late garbage score, but uh, TCU did a really good job of, of showing those DFW recruits, hey, you don't need to go to Lubbock. You can stay home and win a lot of games. So exciting times in the uh, world of recruiting right now, Jeff. Exciting times in the world of recruiting. I, I tend to keep pretty close tabs on all of this, obviously, like most people, but even I wrote down some names that were uh, – not on my radar or we're on my radar, but I've forgotten. So all that is to say, if you want to stay connected to what's going on with recruiting, you have got to join uh, hornfrogblitz.com. Now is the time to get on board. We'll be sprinting towards national signing day. And then once signing day ends, the, you know, to be honest, the portal really begins to open up and you're going to see guys sit down at home and have hard conversations about maybe putting their name in the portal maybe have to have hard conversations with their staff where they're where they're playing at and i think not i think you're going to have to learn some new names between now and the early signing day as well as get ready to understand some new guys that could be coming into the program jeremy you mentioned we might be getting a quarterback or keeping an eye on a quarterback in the transfer portal uh, there's going to be some holes to fill on the offensive line. We are con- we're going to be looking for as many linebackers as we can get going forward. Wouldn't be surprised if we see some new faces and some new names come in. Sonny Dykes has, has really uh, made his mark utilizing the transfer portal in the way that uh, benefits the program. You don't hit on all of them, but when Sonny hits on them, they're good. So I'll be curious to see how things go. All right, guys, we're going to bring this thing to a merciful end. I really appreciate everybody being a part of this episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to download this episode of the Frogcast. Give us a rating and a review. Anything you can do to pass the word about what's going on at the at, uh, Horn Frog Blitz as well as the Frogcast, we would appreciate. So until next time we get together, hopefully to celebrate a big win over the University of Texas Longhorns. For Daniel Southern and Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.